0: Best, and we continue our series focusing on Michigan Sugar, Makers of Pioneer Sugar, and today I'm excited to introduce to you Kelly Scheffler, who is the Bay City Factory Manager, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about how sugar is made and what it's like managing a factory for Michigan Sugar. So Kelly, welcome.
1: Well, thanks, Amy. Glad to be here.
0: Now, before we get into how sugar is made, you actually have quite a family history with Michigan Sugar, don't you,
1: Kelly? Yeah, my father started the industry before I was born uh, back in Minnesota. He worked uh, for American Crystal for a number of years, and then uh, ended up in Michigan when I was in grade school. Um, He had over 40 years in the industry when he finally retired, and I started the industry in 1983, right out of high school, and uh, I've worked at all the facilities except for Carroll at this time, so moved around quite a lot in my career. And I've got over 35 years in now myself.
0: Wow, that's pretty impressive. And I heard that you might have a son that's now in the industry, is that right?
1: I, I do, my uh, My oldest son is a uh, uh, assistant sugar end um, foreman. He uh, started in the apprentice program a number of years ago for a mechanics position. Um, and he's had held number of positions around here as well. So third third generation.
0: That's pretty awesome. What is it about Michigan Sugar that makes it such a nice place to work?
1: Well, it's uh, it's certainly a place where there are a lot of opportunities to better yourself, um, move up if you'd like, um, really take on any challenge that comes, comes around. And, and it, it's really up to you where you end up.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Well, you ended up as the manager of the Bay City factory, and having driven by this facility, I would be a little overwhelmed with this job. I think <laughs> this is a pretty big deal. What is your day like on a daily basis?
1: Busy. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a lot, lot going on here at this facility. Um, we have beet sugar factory, of course. We also have a molasses to sugarization process here. Um, we've got a, a big uh, environmental um, wastewater treatment plant here, and um, basically we run part of the plant about 360 days a year, um, and other part about 250 days, and uh, there's a lot of maintenance going on in between uh, those times, and just getting everything organized, keeping people focused, and, and uh, uh, making things happen, planning, scheduling, it, it's a big job, it takes a lot of time.
0: Well, I'm sure you're doing a pretty great job at it because you guys are still promoting some great sugar. One thing that I've been really surprised about are the factories that Michigan Sugar, that you guys use. They're the original factories built way back when that you're constantly updating, upgrading, uh, bringing into the 21st century, essentially, when they were built in the 1900s, right?
1: That is correct. Um, All the factories uh, that Michigan Sugar owns were built in the 1900s, except Carroll. They were built actually in 1899. Um, so, yes, over the years, they've, we've grown and expanded. Most of these factories were built and designed as 600 ton a day factories. Um, right now, Bay City can slice up to 10,000 tons a day. Um, sea can slice 6,000 tons a day. Carroll, 4,000 tons a day. And uh, Croswell is, is, is going to be up to about 55 pretty quick.
0: That's incredible. Well, that derives directly from good factory management.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely, of course. <laughs> Can't agree more.
0: Exactly, wow. Well, Kelly, why don't you uh, walk us through what it's like managing the factory and and processing the sugar beets into the sugar that we find in the red bags that we use at home.
1: Okay, um, um, I'm gonna try to explain it as well as I can. I do have a couple of props, so uh, hopefully I can incorporate those so people can understand a little bit better. Um, we start, of course, with the beets being delivered to the factory. Um, we we First thing we do is we wash them in uh, a flume, big beet washer, lots of sprays. We tumble the beets, try to get all the dirt off. And then they go into our slicer hopper and we slice them. And once, when in the slicers, we have beet knives, which look just like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is how we cut the, the uh, beets and we, when we slice them, we then call them cassettes and they look kind of like this, almost like a shoestring potato.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I assume you have a ton of those knives chop, 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 chop. Oh, yes.
1: Um, we have two or three slicers. Each slicer can can slice 4000 tons a day by itself. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of slicing going on and (laughs) The knives are reusable. We can take them out and sharpen them. And we can do that about three to five times depending on the length and how, if they get damaged. And these well, knives how often are- How do
0: you sharpen them?
1: Well, right now we're running them about 24 hours. And then we take them out, we change them because they get dull. And then uh, sometimes you can run longer, sometimes shorter, especially if they get a rock or something that damages the knife. Mm. Uh, because cassette quality is, is imperative in a beet sugar factory. You start with a good cassette um, and a lot of your problems in, in operation solve themselves.
0: And wh- why is that? Why is that shape, the cassette shape, the way that you do this for sugar beets? Why don't you just slice them into rounds or cut them into cubes?
1: Well, what we're looking for is maximum surface area. So ideally, if we could cut them in a hexagonal shape with a hexagonal inside, that'd be perfect, but it's not that easy. So we cut them in, in basically uh, V-shapes. Okay. So it's not quite like a potato, but almost like a, uh, a wavy potato, if you would see that. Okay. Um, and that V-shape gives the maximum amount of surface area that allows the water to penetrate the cells. And that's how we start to uh, extract the sugar, the sucrose. Okay. And we do that in in a uh, diffusion system which which consists of a big mixer and a diffuser Um, the diffuser holds. um, Probably about eight to 900 tons of cassettes the mixer is another couple hundred tons, so we have about 200 or two hours of retention time in that equipment and what we do is we give the, the cassettes the sugar beet cells, the perfect environment to, to live in, which is a lot of water and a lot of warmth. So the cells then that are full of sucrose absorb the water and then they expel the sucrose and then we remove that juice and that's what we use to make sure. What now, does
0: the temperature have to do with having the cells release that sugar?
1: It, it, it's all about permeability of the cells. Um, that's just where they they react the best. And uh, we also control the pH so that we can denature them a little bit so that the cells stay together rather than just fall apart and make mush. Um, uh, so there's there's a lot of science to it. But yeah, it all sure works. It
0: <laughs> uh,
1: we can control all of it and it all depends on conditions, feet conditions, weather conditions, um, temperatures, you know, all kinds of things. Um, so once we, once we get the juice off, and we'll stop right there with that, um, then we have the pulp that comes out of the diffuser. Um, the pulp, we, we just press the pulp and we get all the water out of it that we can. And then we dry that pulp and then we pelletize it. So when it's dried, it looks like this. Oh. These are just strips of, of cassettes that are dried down and then we pelletize them into pellets.
0: Ah, what do you do with those?
1: Well, these are used mainly for animal feed. Um, uh, We have many customers that buy them, dog food companies, horse, um, cattle, all kinds of companies that, that buy these products and reuse them. Now, as pellets, these have to be reconstituted before they're fed, otherwise, if if an animal ate these right now and they started to swell up they could explode so all we do is they'll
0: absorb that much water
1: absolutely what (laughs) if you take a five gallon bucket of these pellets and you put them in a 55 gallon drum and you add five gallons of water when they reconstitute they'll they'll just about fill that drum up oh wow that's how much they So,
0: so, so when those companies buy those, they will reconstitute them. What grind them up and then add them in with a bunch of other stuff. Yep, to...
1: absolutely. Yeah. And does
0: it add any nutritional value, or is it a there filler? There is
1: there is nutritional value. There's there's a lot of carbohydrates. There's some sugar, mm-hmm. um, and that's as far as I know. <laughs>
0: have you have you ever tasted one?
1: Oh, of course.
0: And what does it taste like?
1: <laughs> uh, like a meat pellet. Okay. <laughs> It's, it's, it's indescribable. Okay. <laughs> when you work in a sugar factory, sooner or later you taste everything, like it I'm, or
0: not. I'm sure you do. <laughs> so well, I love that you guys are using all, everything. You're even using the, essentially the waste product from the sugaring process,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. which is an
0: important part of your business.
1: Yep. So getting back to the process, um, we also have to purify the juice now and to do that, we use uh, uh, milk of lime that we produce on the property. And and how we do that is we, we have a lime kiln, we put limestone and coal in there, we burn it. Um, the limestone turns into calcium oxide, which looks kind of like this. Some of you guys, girls out there might know this as quick lime, you can buy it for your gardens and such. Um, we make, we burn about 400 tons of limestone a day to produce enough of this lime um, to purify our juice. And and how we do that is we add water to this and we turn it into what we call milk of lime and then we add it to the juice. So in the lime kiln, not only do we produce uh, calcium oxide, we also produce CO2 because that's part of the chemical reaction that takes place. So we blend the lime with the juice and we blend it up really good. We raise the temperature and then we bubble CO2 gas through it. And that's called carbonation. And that gas recombines with the lime molecules and it settles out. The lime then acts as a uh, a coagulant. And when it settles out, it takes all the impurities out of the juice. So then we're left with
0: so, it kind of like hugs itself onto the bad stuff in the juice, and that—that that is really interesting. Who yeah. came up with that idea? Who figured uh, that out?
1: <laughs> so, this process has been in in place for hundreds of years, and and it came from Europe, of course. Um, and it's really the same the same process. We just have different technology. Gotcha. It's very cost effective. It works. Um, and someday we may find a better way, but right now this is the best way.
0: What do you do with the milk of lime and all the funky stuff it picks up when it's done?
1: So, good question, Amy. Thanks for asking. Um, that, that lime we take and we filter it and we get all the sugar out of it that we can. That water, that sugar goes back to the lime kiln, which is what makes the lime into milk of lime. We call that sweet water. That lime that's left is, is basically a dry cake, and it dry it drops out of these filters, and it goes out on into the backyard and onto our lime hill, and that lime is later um, conditioned, drying, uh, and it's taken back to the fields for pH control.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Another another cool yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: is used. Um, we sell company wide hundreds. Of thousands of tons of lime every year, um, wow. to growers, farmers, and anybody that's working with land to try to to uh, raise the pH and, and get it in good shape for crops.
0: Okay. Okay. Very cool. Now let's go back to the process. I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. Oh no
1: no. Sorry. Like. go <laughs> so back to the process. Now we have juice. We have we have purified juice. We have filtered juice. Um, or I'm sorry. We purify it. Then we filter it. And then all we do is simply evaporate the water so the juice looks like a light tea or almost like a a beer it's that light with just a little bit of a tinge to it when we start evaporating the water and by the time we're done evaporating the water it's going to be about the consistency of maple syrup
0: okay it also
1: gets darker and all we're doing is is evaporating the water and condensing the amount of sugar or sucrose that's in that syrup. And at that point, we call it super saturated because it is, there's enough sugar there that it'll actually start naturally uh, crystallizing. So of course, we don't wanna wait around all day for that to happen. So we put that juice, that syrup into a, a, a vacuum pan where we boil the juice and we add what's called fondant, which is just powdered sugar that we make on site to start the crystal growth. Now there's a lot of science to this as well. That powdered sugar granule or crystal, um, we we want them to be as close to the same size as we can when we feed it into the pan so that all the sugar crystals grow the same size. Um, The reason for that is when you go to wash the crystals you want the, the, the crystals to be the same size so that the wash water goes through the crystals nice and easy and takes all of the, the remaining syrup with it. Okay. So if you don't, we had some storage tanks and this oh, is actually naturally big. grown crystals.
0: That's big, that's like rock yeah. candy. <laughs> and these
1: would, these would continue to grow as long as we had syrup around it forever. So.
0: little bit different than what i've got in my red bag here
1: yeah a little (laughs) different
0: that might not work my thigh
1: (laughs) so once the 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 sugar crystals come out of the the, um vacuum pans, it looks kind of like this these are sugar crystals that still have syrup on them you can see the syrup in the bottom yeah and all we do is we put it put the sugar into a centrifugal that's that uses centrifugal force to force the syrup off the sugar crystals and we add hot water to wash all the syrup off. Now that syrup then is collected and it's reboiled and it goes through another process where it's crystallized again and separated and then boiled a third time. So after the third time, uh, we end up with a byproduct which is molasses, It's just a real thick, heavy black liquid. Um, This is used for pharmaceutical grade um fillers, a lot of it goes for um, yeast production for the brewing process. And then we also here in Bay City have a, have a, a facility here that can take more sugar out of this molasses. So we don't typically sell our molasses, we reprocess it before we sell it, but we also bring molasses from Carroll, Croswell and Seedwing here to process it as well. So, Okay. That's the part of the process that runs basically year-round.
0: And it, now, how is that molasses there different from the molasses I use at home to bake oatmeal cookies?
1: So this is this is beet molasses, which is all the impurities um, and whatever's left of the of the sucrose that we cannot uh, extract sugar out of. Okay. So it it won't hurt you if you eat it, but it just it's not very good tasting. It's kind of bitter. Okay. Now, deer love it. Oh. And, and black bears really love it. Um, don't okay, ask me to how know. You know that. Don't Just ask me if I
0: need to bait some black bears.
1: <laughs> um, but the molasses you use at home will be cane molasses, uh, which is much sweeter and lighter. Okay. Um, and, and more popular. In fact, that's how we make brown sugar. We use white granulated sugar and we actually spray cane molasses on it to make it brown sugar. Oh, I didn't know that yeah In you the it is, I'm sorry
0: how do you make powdered sugar
1: well powdered sugar is granulated sugar mm-hmm. that we run through a powder mill it's a it's a hammer mill that just grinds it up real fine really and We can grind it 6x 10x 12x however fine you want it yeah and then we add just a little bit of cornstarch to keep it from from caking um and then we package it
0: It goes through a hammer mill. I did not know this. This is fascinating.
1: (laughs) So the old hammer mills were were literally screens and hammers, metal hammers, that would smash the crystals into certain size. But the new hammer mills or the new powder mills use the product themselves to break down. It's it's a lot less um, mechanical. It's it's more sugar slamming into other sugar crystals and breaking apart. So Okay. Uh, again, more technology. Time goes on. Better things come down the, the line. Build a better mousetrap. You know all those things. So.
0: That's what you're doing every day there in Basin, every Yeti, Kelly. Every so day. <laughs> this we, is the timeline for a sugar beet to arrive at your factory. I know they get stored for a while, yes. but then from start to finish, how long is this process of making sugar?
1: So. In the factory, it's gonna be approximately eight hours. It could be longer than that, depending on what's going on. Um, once we get everything full of syrup and all the pans boiling and we're recycling, uh, eight hours is, is probably right about the time it's gonna take. Um, once we wash the sugar in the centrifugals and uh, it, it's now white sugar, we all we do is we dry it we cool it, and we put it in the silo, and then it can stay in the silo as long as uh, it needs to before it's packaged. There's really no shelf life on sugar. Um, As long as you store it properly, it'll keep forever.
0: Good to know. Uh, Mine never sticks around very long, though, because I'm constantly using it. It doesn't
1: (laughs) last long most places. Well, uh, Kelly,
0: this has been utterly fascinating. I love to hear about the process because it's when you see the beets in the field and then see the sugar in the bag, you're like, how does this even happen? So thank you so much for sharing that process with Oh, me.
1: you're welcome. Um, we appreciate um, your, your podcast, Amy. You've done a number of them now. Um, we appreciate your support and, and your support of the industry and the company.
0: Oh, well, thanks, Kelly. Kelly, if people want to get more information about Michigan Sugar, learn about the company and where they can buy your wonderful Pioneer Sugar, where should they go?
1: Uh, MichiganSugar.com. Simple as that.
0: It's simple. Well, Kelly Scheffler, who is the Bay City Factory Manager, thank you so much for sharing the sugar story with us today.
1: All right, you bet. Thanks, Amy.
0: If you guys want to follow along on our entire podcast series, you want to head to Facebook and look up Michigan's Best.